Hello, podcast listener. The App Guy podcast. Every Sunday and Thursdays. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and it's my uh, pleasure to introduce our guest today. Our guest is all the way from Pennsylvania, and uh, her name is Kim Walsh Phillips. And she is the founder of IO Creative Group and a results-driven strategic marketing and PR agency. So, Kim, listen, welcome to the App Guy podcast. We're thrilled that you could join us today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, I love the name. I, I just realized, I, my, obviously, my first preference is iOS and uh, IO Creative Group. Is there any connection there? No, but if I developed iOS, that would be a great thing. But we probably would not be having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great to learn a little bit about you. You're, uh, obviously, you founded this great company. Perhaps you can tell us about yourself and, and your, and your um, business. Sure. I mean, my pleasure. So IO Creative Group is a direct response marketing company. And we are um, focused on taking digital and non-traditional and traditional media and layering them on top of each other to get great results for our clients. We also do workshops and training. So we have people who want to learn from us what we do and then they can do it themselves. So we have two sides of the business um, and it's exciting work every day. Yeah, I mean, if uh, people go and check out, uh, just literally type in IO Creative Group into Google and there's a lot of stuff on you and there's your website and I, I can see that you, what made you focus on being a re- result driven strategic marketing company? What, you know, putting your, uh, I guess your, your results first for your clients rather than um, being a little bit opaque with uh, traditional media as often is. Oh, that was such a good setup. Thank you. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's my yeah. pleasure. <laughs> um, I did it eight years the other way, and I was the hardest working poor person you could ever know. <laughs> There's a lot better <laughs> ways to be broke, and that is not working 24 hours a day, which is what I was doing. Because the problem was my company was based on what I knew, which was public relations. I worked in the corporate PR world and I had an opportunity one day to start doing some consulting, got enough that I could launch my company full time. And we would get these great clients and I would bring on staff to get the work done. But the problem was when it came time for contract renewal, all they knew was that they had gotten their name in the paper a few times. It made them feel really good, but I was the fluff stuff. So I would be what would be cut when it would come time for contract renewal. I also wasn't charging enough. So we found it really hard to make expenses. And as a matter of fact, I pretty much took no salary, but I was single. So I basically was living on nothing um, just so I could make sure I could make payroll. I am proud that in 13 years of my business, I have never missed a payroll, but I've missed a lot of other things. And so knowing I needed to have some kind of change, I saw, you know, some other opportunities. And I don't know how many of um, your listeners are familiar with the marketing guru, Dan Kennedy, but his book, Direct Response Marketing for Non-Direct Response Marketing Businesses, was my game changer. Um, 
it showed me how I could take marketing and actually apply results to it. I really didn't know anything about direct response marketing from that point. I had a background in PR and in my school, we didn't combine marketing and PR at all. And so for the first time, I saw how I could take what we were doing and start showing results for it, testing it first on our company and then on our clients. And that was my game changer. It was a huge difference in our profit, our clients and the growth of our firm. Amazing. Yeah, I'm thinking of a recent episode we had with a guy called Branko Cerny, and he is the founder and CEO of uh, an app that's just come out called Square One Mail. And Mm -hmm. uh, he was talking about um, spending about a year and a half in a small team developing this uh, app. And it's a very interesting app because uh, the similar app called Mailbox uh, recently sold for $100 million to Dropbox. So it's a great idea. Mm -hmm. He's got a a great vision. Um, But he couldn't believe that like one of his challenges was the lack of PR in the tech press. Uh, I think he was picked up by TechCrunch, maybe a small article, but there was a lack of interest, probably because of the uh, overwhelming uh, news on tech currently. Um, Perhaps you can talk a little bit about how challenging it is for companies to get into the press, into the blogs, into the big, you know, the big names and, and get PR. Sure, I'd be happy to. So yeah, that's the whole thing with PR now. You want to use it as a driver to get traffic to your site to convert. And and when you approach reporters, you need it to be about their needs versus what new product you're going to pitch. The reality is they get pitched all day long and your message means nothing to them. So you have a few options. One is to obviously find an agency to work with you that could get you great results, that can get you in. They have all those strong relationships. But if you want to do things on your own, which is what I would recommend to start with, there's a few great things you can do. One is if you're on Twitter, you want to start following reporters. To find them, go to a directory, an online directory called Twello, T-W-E-L-L-O-W, and it's a directory of Twitter users. And you can actually look up certain media outlets and find specific reporters and start following them. Start developing a relationship with them. Start commenting on stories they post, asking them questions. And pay attention when they put things out because often if they're looking for a source for a story, they'll put it out on Twitter. And that gives you an opportunity to respond to that to get some coverage. You also want to look at your Twitter follower count because one of the benefits you can give media outlets is that you're going to share it with your network and that's going to help them. So the bigger your network is, the more likely they are to write about you. So if you can grow your user base with a larger count of Twitter followers, that's going to help you get those additional stories. I also recommend connecting with media outlets via their blog, commenting on it. Again, it should be just like any other entity you're going after. It's about relationship building. And then when you do get a story, do not go back to the reporter asking for things to be changed or edited or comments or Don't ask for anything to be held off the record. This is their job. Their job is to write the story. The only reason why you should contact them after you get a story is to say thank you, to send an actual written thank you note thanking the reporter for writing the story and share with them all the places you shared it so you can show why you were so valuable. You do things like that, reporters keep coming back to you because you showed yourself to be a valuable asset for them to get their job done. Yeah, it's re- reminding me of uh, another episode we had with Samuel Hulick, and he um, put up a blog, uh, which was a, uh, a teardown, he called it, uh, pretty much a, um, a 
picking a part of an app and he just did a public app and he was really worried that when he got a call from the app founder he was going to get um, told off <laughs> but the app founder said mm -hmm. no hey listen that's great you know it's got a lot of traffic and it's really, we've made some of those changes you recommend and he was really surprised at the reaction and it was very positive very even though his blog was a little bit um, critical the interaction from the founder was very positive so I think that bears fruit with um, just having a positive attitude with PR. Yeah, and then afterwards, to leverage it now in social media is incredible because you can target. So the way that we do it is after you get a story, you want to create an ad directing people to some other resource to connect with them. So let's say you're trying to lead gen. You could run a blog post talking about your experience or that interview with a link to the story, then create an ad that would target that media outlet's traffic. So on Twitter, you could target their username, and on Facebook, you can target their fan page. Both of those will give you more opportunities to connect with those that may have seen or heard your piece and to be able to capture their contact information to sell to them in the future. So just on the subject of ads, um, one of the things that have been quite topical yeah. recently is uh, the concept of native ads. And I know that a lot of the press are picking up on this and, and running with it. And I guess have you come across native ads? And if so, can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So being in the uh, having come all from content and going into direct response, that was it's interesting because that was automatically part of the way we did marketing. And now it has this term of native advertising. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it's why I keep Huffington Post on my news feed so I could see what the, their headlines. The only problem with that is those of us that do that get distracted too much with their <laughs> yeah. stories. Because <laughs> yeah. they're so All the fun. link baiting that goes on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, for sure. Now, this is interesting. So we, I came to all to marketing, you know, first with all all campaign and um, all awareness, and then got into direct response, incorporating direct response. But I still was of the mindset of doing native advertising and doing some lead gen work by giving away content before trying to sell something. I'll tell you though, you know, we since um, January first, so we were. Well, I'll just give an average. We're spending on average about twenty thousand U.S. dollars per month on Facebook ads on behalf of our clients. So we, and that's not our main focus, that's just one, we do we do a lot of social media marketing, but we're, we are placing a lot of ads as part of their campaigns. And what we're seeing is, we have a lot of big good tests in place. What we're seeing is um, those that are sending their uh, prospects straight to a sale are actually getting a higher conversion overall and a higher value per um, customer and a lower cost per acquisition. So while native, native advertising is getting like a lot of attention right now and that seems to be where the trend is going, I would caution you to test it. Because where you might think that sending somebody to a blog post is going to be more effective because that's what people want to see, we're actually seeing that that's not always the case. That often if we send them right to a page that has an opt-in opportunity to purchase something, we're getting better results. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? Social media. Do you do a lot of uh, Twitter advertising on Twitter ads? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Twitter, we find, is not a great place to convert right to sale. People are mobile. They're clicking through. It's really just a – we use that for list building more than sales. So Twitter specifically would be to grow your herd, grow your tribe. And then Facebook and LinkedIn we use for direct to sale. 
and list building too. Yeah, I'm just thinking of Facebook ads then. And mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, I mean, without giving away uh, anything about your clients, um, mm-hmm. what products or services tend to work better? I mean, we're thinking about apps and um, maybe a uh, I was thinking of Candy Crush as well, and they did a lot of Facebook ads, and mm-hmm. I think that was quite successful, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, is it better to have yeah, an immediate action, perhaps to download an app from a Facebook ad? Are you seeing results from that sort of thing? Yeah, well, and that's one of the call to action buttons that is available right now. Um, Facebook is releasing a whole bunch of new ones, but right now download is an option. So that's really helpful for people who are who want an immediate download for purchase. Um, but yeah, I mean, huge from we've have apps that have sold through Facebook ads. Yes, um, and it is an immediate trackability with Facebook's um, conversion tracking. You can track the placement location that has the best results, the age. You can get into the demographics. You could find people. You can pull a list of people who have purchased an app from you in the past um, or from anybody in the past week. You can get as specific as people who buy um, um, more than the average person of sugared cereals. (laughs) You can get, (laughs) yeah, like that's a real thing you can pull. So it's amazing the information and all that data is available without having to buy a list or pay any additional money and it's all trackable. Um, But one great um, Facebook hack I'll let you in on is something that we just started trying and that's if you – when you're setting up your ads and you get the um, suggested bid – for your cost per, you want to set up your ads, and not tell me if I'm getting too geeky, but I think with this no, audience, that, that, this is good. This is, um, <laughs> this is, I'm following you because I've been in the back end there, and I, I know how to kind of navigate it. But yeah, any hacks you can provide us, okay, be cool. very warmly welcome. So, so on the ad, when you're doing your um, cost per ad, and you have the suggested cost per conversion, because we. You should set up all your ads to track actual sales. Nothing else should be tra- – like that's your main focus. You're tracking for conversions and your conversion should be the sale. Facebook will suggest a bid per conversion. We we suggest that you actually triple that amount that they say because everybody else is accepting that amount. And by you doing that, you're going to jump to the top of the list for bidding. And our conversions have skyrocketed by doing that. Do they end up being – you know, more than what they say. Yeah, but you're spending money only on getting conversions versus lots of clicks and views and who cares numbers. And um, it's been huge for getting um, really great results for our ads. That's a great hack. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. That's, and so uh, would you, I mean, in terms of the $20,000 per month that you seem to be you're spending on uh, clients, mm-hmm. Are many of those ads targeting just mobile or are they yeah. targeting the uh, laptops? That's a great stuff? suggestion. That's a great question. Most of them are actually not targeting mobile. We have found mobile to be expensive and not convert as high. Obviously, with an app, a mobile app, you're wanting to look at um, how to take it. I would just track, 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 track what your rates are in converting because Facebook's charging five times the amount per ad for mobile for view um, than they are on desktop. And so you're just going to have to keep that cost, you know, in the back of your mind when you're checking your stats because obviously if you want people to go immediately to an app on mobile, you need to be advertising on mobile. 
I didn't realize that. So they're actually charging five times more for mobile. That's obviously why they're growing their mobile revenues a lot faster. That's right. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, obviously for app developers, it's kind of challenging to put an ad on a desktop and, and hope that they'll uh, uh, somehow come back to the app when they have the phone. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, so here's the thing that I would do is um, you could use that specifically for list building, right? So you could use some kind of, um, my suggestion would be to create a campaign that would help you develop a list. And the reason why you're developing a list is not so you can email them, but instead so you could then upload that list to Facebook's custom audiences and advertise to those people on mobile. Because then you're not reaching the entire universe on mobile. You're reaching specific people who've already identified that they're interested in your topic um, or what your app might be offering. So you're really, really select and targeted with who you're going to spend that money on. That's an awesome suggestion. I mean, that almost reminds me of uh, Google remarketing when they bought that out a few years ago. And uh, be, being able to remarket to people and of course you know if you capture their email and upload that then you are remarketing to those people effectively yeah and you can remarket through facebook now too you can you can retarget ads if you do have a a, a good amount of web traffic you can set up an ad on retargeting your traffic right through Facebook's ads manager without using a third party and it could you could then set it to only advertise on mobile so kim how do we get access to you. Um, you mentioned in the pre-chat that you do workshops. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about that because I'm getting very um, motivated here listening to just these two, <laughs> two hacks. And I'm sure like people listening would, would love to be able to tap into more of this. How, how do we, how do you, um, do, do you do workshops? Perhaps you tell us a little bit about how you, um, you know, kind of work with these, um, these people around the world. Sure. So yeah, I do. We do free trainings. And um, obviously, at the end of the training, there's usually an opportunity to get more training. But I always give lots of content like I am on this call and our free trainings, too. We have one coming up. And I should have asked you this before we started, but it's on May 1st. Will this come out before that? Um, yeah, I can make it come out before that. No problem. Okay. I'll jump you, so up, the, May... bump you up the list there, Kim. <laughs> uh, uh, you're, you're optimizing uh, <laughs> the uh, podcasting. Uh. <laughs> So May 1st is our next uh, free live training, and it's on how to um, create a killer Facebook sales system. So it's basically the stuff I'm telling you, how to lay it all out and use it to convert um, and to get to that registration page. And I also give some other – I give uh, free tips every week to people who sign up for that. Um, it's at fbsalesseries.com. Great. Uh, so, yeah, if you're listening, um, just head over to onemob.com and on the podcast and the episode with Kim, Kim Walsh Phillips, you'll find uh, links to all these things that we're mentioning. And especially uh, I'll be one of those that will be signing up there on <laughs> May the 1st um, because uh, those tips sound r really, um, you know, like they could save us a lot of money from uh, wasting it on advertising. I've done this in the past. I've wasted a lot of money on Twitter, uh, Facebook personally. And uh, I think it's best to leave it to the experts um, for, you know, maximum impact. Uh, what um, what type of clients are you getting then uh, that are uh, really focusing on digital media? Uh, do they t tend to be traditional clients send selling products or maybe tech companies? Perhaps you can give us a general sense of who is getting, um, you know, sort of interested in. The, the, this uh, aspect of marketing yeah sure so 
um, you know, being a more traditional agency, we had clients and I still have clients like that fall within more traditional categories like doctor's offices and we have a makeup company and clients along that genre. Um, but we last year, um, Dan Kennedy, that, that guru that I read his book, um, an awesome thing happened and I had an opportunity to present in front of him and he um, liked what he saw and he took us on. He endorsed us. He, we now do all the marketing for social media marketing for the G, um, GKIC Insider Circle, his marketing group. And with him being a top level um, direct response entrepreneur, we now get we now have a huge niche of those kinds of clients. So I'm not sure what what folks might know and not know, but we do social media marketing for Chris Cardell, Ron Legrand, Susan Berkeley, Pamela Yellen, um, Richard James. These are all people who have been, um, it's just, it's mind boggling to me because years ago I was, when I was, you know, the broke marketing company owner, I was listening to their <laughs> CDs and reading their books and, you know, and now they, we do all their work. So it, it's been pretty amazing. Well, that is really inspirational, Kim, and I'm sure that people listening can kind of take gratitude in the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, anyone can do this stuff. We, we all put these uh, gurus on pedestals, me the same, and all of us have the power to uh, actually go and, and uh, build an authority in our space and uh, actually then, you know, uh, get an opportunity to work with these uh, celebrities and these gurus who are sometimes a little bit intimidating to approach, perhaps, because we have this... Uh, imposter syndrome we don't, don't feel that we are worthy of their time <laughs> oh yeah well I mean and I still have that all the time and um and I work with all of them and yet you know what I try to remember what everyone should remember is there's two things one is everybody has that feeling from the prime minister to the president of the United States to everyone has that feeling of someday they're going to find me out. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> and, you know, you're not alone in that. And the second piece is, and this is the piece that I had to figure out in order to turn around my company and my life, really. And that is the secret is not about working harder. It's about working smarter. I couldn't work any harder. I was working all the time. I and I wasn't getting the results that I needed. So instead of trying to work harder, what you need to do is find different, more effective solutions to move forward in. And that's why things like your podcast, Paul, are so important. And I applaud everyone listening because you're actively seeking solutions that can help you do your job better. And so congratulations to all of you listening because you are the minority and you're doing an incredible job. Yeah, we're hoping that one day we'll become the majority. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the average person in the street that you walk past uh, wouldn't be able to tell you what a podcast is um, but uh, it could be the year for podcasts we always um, we always are a little bit hopeful that it becomes more mainstream I keep hearing every year it's the year of the podcast yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it is uh, getting more hey. popular however I think that there's something to be said about competitive advantage that those that seek out things like this above others are always going to rise to the top well just on that chart topic do you ever um, approach podcasters for um, getting ads um, on, on audio podcasts? I haven't done that yet. I haven't. But um, as someone who's an often a guest now, and I've had an incredible blessing opportunity for that and seen the traffic that it's it's driven, absolutely that's something that we're looking at. And I have two different um, clients that we've been investigating that for to get started because it's um, it seems like it could be something that could be very, very valuable. The one piece that I don't like about it, and this probably won't surprise you, is that most podcast advertising is set up to be based on number of listeners. 
and not on number of conversions of any kind. And so um, being an ROI-based marketing firm, that is difficult to sell to your clients. Yes, of course. Well, given that you're results driven, uh, mm-hmm. that is challenging. Hey, maybe we can invent something uh, along those lines. I mean, firstly, I'm thinking of native podcast ads, which I don't know whether ethically um, um, podcasters would be happy with that. But, uh, you know, like a native ad in a, a newspaper um, that you could randomly talk about a subject that perhaps uh, the client would like you to um, talk about. And uh, that, that could be an idea. Uh, and uh, maybe there is an opportunity there to have um, more results-driven um, promotion through uh, podcasting. Yeah, I think and, that's great. Yeah. You know, there's, there's apps like SoundCloud that are making a, lo- a lot uh, more transparent. So all these downloads, that it's a little bit opaque in how we measure them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with SoundCloud, for instance, that's the YouTube for um, audio. And they make it very easy to embed um, your audio, to share and they give you some really cool statistics. The only unfortunate thing with SoundCloud is unlike YouTube, um, you have to pay for it uh, to become a premium member. And, um, you know, that's how they're making their money rather than uh, advertising. So it's beneficial oh, okay. because, yeah, you get, you get, uh, but SoundCloud, we had uh, an episode, I think it was 31 with Booty Vogue and he's a, a new media, um, he runs a new media music label and it does PR actually, it does PR for uh, musicians. Oh, very and, cool. Uh, yeah, he's he's a real advocate for SoundCloud and uh, the impact that you can get from just releasing various things on, on that platform. And so, yeah, there all these different platforms are coming out and it's just uh, obviously a great opportunity mm-hmm. and to be a PR person and be an expert because it can be overwhelming to the, um, you know, the traditional kind of marketer who is still looking for adverts in magazines and newspapers and TV <laughs> slots. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're getting towards the end of the um, chat. I just wondered if there's um, anything you want to touch on uh, that we haven't raised yet, uh, anything that you feel we should bring that would help people listening. Well, I'm sure you've had um, guests bring this up before, but my biggest piece of advice is to never limit your messaging or your income to one channel. Um, because you never know when it might change or turn around or take be taken from you. Um, a few weeks ago, um, the organization I mentioned, GKIC Insider Circle, we have about 30,000 fans on their page. That Facebook one day just decided to unpublish it. And so we show up on the page and there's a pink box up on the screen with no advance notice saying your page has been unpublished. And, um, of course, nobody's happy. Everybody's worried. What are we going to do? That's dreadful. Yeah. And we started, all you could do is appeal. We started appealing. And thankfully, three days later, we did get a message from Facebook that it happened because of an automated system. It shouldn't have. And they actually apologized for the inconvenience, which Facebook apologizing you to for something is it's interesting thing but but the good thing was while our page was down nothing was really broken in that we had never spent a dollar building a fan we'd only utilized their page to um, as an advertising tool our ads continued we'd been collecting email addresses we could still email we had other ads running on other platforms so the business was not hurt badly because of that change 
And if they had completely shut us out of Facebook and we never got back in, we still would have been okay. And for businesses who I see are either only advertising on one ads platform or only have their app in one channel or only have one app that they're using, they're so dependent. And if something happens, they're in a lot of trouble. And so you just always want to protect yourself having more than one channel to bring in revenue and leads so that way you can continue to protect your business. You know, that's great advice because you're right, the uh, power that the big companies now yield, uh, Google and uh, Facebook and the, the others, you know, of course, we often forget that they own the content once it's up there and they have control mm-hmm. of it. And uh, you're right to you know flag that as a warning that we shouldn't focus heavily on uh, just one strategy. And yeah, that's that's um, something I'm, I think is really important to take heed of. Uh, yeah, so because uh, I was actually just chatting to um, uh, and a guy that does app store optimization, so it's a little bit like uh, search engine optimization for Google, but it's primarily for uh, apps. And um, you know, with Apple, we get uh, we don't get any information from them. We can get apps rejected. We can get apps. Uh, thrown out uh, the recent flappy bird uh, app which you may have heard of that went crazily viral mm-hmm. um, that was just um, it was like a highlight that uh, they they don't apple don't really have a lot of uh, clever uh, google algorithms um, to monitor all this stuff and um, you know so they, they actually are doing quite a lot of stuff manually and um, you know they can manually reject your app or just um, re- uh, close it down uh, for any reason and usually all these guidelines are pretty opaque and pretty you know generic uh, mm-hmm. your app doesn't your app doesn't meet our criteria you know or your app doesn't um, reach the apple standards you know or no. someone who's angry with you files a few <laughs> yeah. complaints yeah so <laughs> i mean cause it could just be a, a competitor trying to that's happened so yeah you always want to protect yourself and the other thing i just wanted to um, share with you as well which i think you'll find um you know, interesting is we had a, a chat with uh, Matt Frazier. He is the author of No Meat Athlete. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a Facebook page of about sixty thousand uh, followers. Yeah. And what he, what he did as an author, um, he did his own PR. He decided to do a uh, a book tour um, where he would use uh, Twitter and Facebook to arrange uh, venues and meetups. And uh, he would then uh, schedule these with online forms and he would get uh, from uh, 20, 30 people in one venue to several hundred people in another venue and just go around America and doing this tour. And uh, it wasn't just a signing tour. He would run with the people. He would engage with his audience. He would uh, have a meal with them, have a drink. And so he he found that that was um, perhaps uh, it was a lot of work, but... Uh, the engagement he got from his fans meant that all those people that he met, he touched and engaged with, and they became more loyal uh, to him and his following and his, and his, uh, you know, his book and stuff. So I thought that was really interesting PR from, from someone you know, in, uh, that's written a book. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So it just shows you what we can do in this new age. Um, Kim, it's been wonderful. I've just thoroughly, uh, enjoyed our chat you've got the perfect uh, podcast uh, voice it sounds um, like i could listen to you all day oh isn't um, that I... sweet thank you <laughs> and uh, you know what's nice about podcasting is if this was on the radio uh, first of all um, it wouldn't probably happen because we're so far apart but also it would be on at like three o'clock in the morning because it's about apps <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know the great thing about podcasting is people interested could listen anytime and anywhere so um, that's wonderful Kim thanks for joining the App Guy podcast uh, 
for sharing everything. Um, how's, how best can we reach out to you and connect with you? What's the best way? Sure. So my Twitter name is K Walsh Phillips, and our website is iocreativegroup.com. Wonderful. Kim, you have a fantastic day, and I appreciate you coming on the App Guy podcast. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy podcast. 